With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Congratulations to the Navy Midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcon. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. I'm your moderator, Justin Mears. Today we have Kayla Jackson, Scott Lopez, and Austin Lantana is not able to join us this week as he is currently evacuating from Hurricane Dorian. Uh, He got home from Annapolis to St. Augustine, literally just in time to hop in the car, and I think he went to his parents' house um, in Florida. They live somewhere else in Florida, but um, he's evacuated from the hurricane, unable to join us today. Um, but we're through week one of the college football season. College football is now officially back, and uh, I would say overall it was a pretty solid week one for our service academy teams. Um, bef- not getting team-specific, any big major takeaways, just overall on kind of how our three main schools that we cover um, fared this week. I think if I'm a fan of any of these teams respectively, I'm extremely happy. I think – if anyone needed a confidence booster um, and something that kind of shows that everything that they said about the offseason kind of came to fruition, um, that's exactly what both Air Force and Navy needed. If I'm Army, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I would say that you have to be thrilled with it because as much as it was tough to watch, maybe as an opening game, um, they still came away with the win and saw a lot of things that needed to be fixed before going up against Michigan. So I think overall, really, really great re- week one, and it was good football to watch. It was enjoyable. Definitely. I would agree. I'd say coming off of week zero and going into week one, just all around for all the games that I watched um, you know, over the week was good uh, and similar to Scott. And it's funny because I think originally my kind of perception was Dang, I was expecting, you know, Army to do so much right in the first half, and we'll get in a little bit more into that later on. But, I mean, a win is a win, and I'll take it. And I think um, watching them play was entertaining. It was a good game, and I think kind of unearthing a little bit of the weaknesses and what they need to work on was something that you want to see as a fan going in uh, to face uh, Michigan this week. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely satisfied. Yeah, and I would kind of I would agree with both of what both of you said. Um, I feel like if you're Navy and Air Force, regardless of the opponent, both FCS Patriot League opponents. We've mentioned this before. Patriot League not always, you know, not usually the a premier necessarily FCS league, but these are the top two preseason teams at least um, in that conference. And and regardless of kind of very similar outcomes, very similar games in a lot of ways um, for those two teams. But um, you had to be. I'm happy. I mean, that's about as good as you can expect, I think. <laughs> and we'll, I'm, I'm curious to hear Scott's thoughts, of course, on Air Force. And I was at the Navy game, so I'll give you mine on that. But then even if you're Army, 
um, your initial thought could be, man, well, we, yeah, we expect, we didn't come close to the spread. We expected to, to roll rice, but it's the first game of the season. Plenty of teams struggled this weekend that thought they were going to handle other teams. Um, and with those kind of week one jitters and, and opening on Friday night and, um, and playing a team in rice that maybe, I mean, who knows at the end of this year, yes, they went to an 11 last year, but maybe this is an improved team. Um, under second-year head coach who comes from a, a, a Stanford system that's obviously done really well um, as the offensive coordinator there. And so at the end of the day, like you guys said, they got the win, and we'll, we'll break that game down much more. But um, if anything, they've, they've kind of proved their mettle a little bit um, in that first week, which is something that we've kind of brought up in the past that now you know, we're getting called out for um, on, on Twitter some for – for kind of how, you know how often they play behind and stuff in the past couple of seasons, but um, it's more about just kind of how competitive um, games are, and they have pl- obviously played plenty of competitive games. And you know, I think about Miami of Ohio last year, but just just from week one, I think um, they they stood the test at the end um, when they needed to to make plays on both offense and defense to win the game. So um, yeah, we'll break that down in a minute. So Scott brought up before we came on, he wanted to kind of give the Mountain West a shout out. So. I'll let, I mean, Scott, I'll let you kind of cover the Mountain West, and then I'll take the AAC. Um, you are absolutely correct and, and probably worth noting that um, the Mountain West had a, a terrific um, week one. So, if, you know, walk us through, highlight some of that stuff real quick, and just kind of let us know overall your perceptions on the conference as a whole. Um, as there, you know, we, we do have two conferences that we kind of want to be paying attention to as the season goes on. Yeah, so some of the most notable games um, that we saw coming out of the Mountain West, it's it's relatively big news for people who, you know, kind of like to talk about conferences a lot. And out of the Mountain West, obviously on Week 0, we had Hawaii winning over the Pac-12 Arizona team. Yep. Um, but then this weekend, we also had Nevada beat Purdue, uh, who Air Force will not be playing this season. But then probably the biggest one, um, arguably, is going to be Boise State over Florida State. Um, and, and that was a pretty big win and a team that I was kind of nervous for Air Force to take on this season already. Um, and this definitely kind of bolsters that, but then we also had, uh, Wyoming over Missouri, which is a really interesting game because I think for a lot of the time, it looked like Missouri was going to be able to make the comeback and it looked like Wyoming was going to be able to hold them off. But in the end, they were able to, to win by six with a 37 to 31 game. Um, and then, and then Fresno State had a decent showing against USC, but ultimately wasn't able to come away with yeah. a win, which I, which is another team that Air Force will be playing. And, uh, I mean, doesn't really tell you a whole lot. I think Fresno State's still going to be a good team. They're kind of stabilizing with their coaching staff and the players that they have out there. Um, but all in all, I mean, I, I think that this kind of is a good talking point with some of these statistics over the weekend for people who are really into conferenceology and talking about if there's actually a Power Six conference, whether that be the American Athletic Conference or the Mountain West, I'm not so sure. But either way, I think it's a really good showing, and it shows that I think over the past few years, it's it's been pretty evident that the teams that are in really the top 10, top 20, uh, really kind of hang out there, and it seems like people can't crack in. But at least um, what this shows is that there's a little bit of a mix-up kind of in that sort of 20 to 60 teams in the country, I think. I think that's a fair um, point to make. Yeah, you know that the top of all, all of the Power Five conferences um, have kind of stabilized to a large degree in the past few years, and it seems like it's the same people on you know repeat every year. Um, but outside of that, you know, there are plenty of teams in Power Five conferences that are ripe for upsets from um, other good Group of Five teams. And I mean, so let's. Uh, 
make sure I'm getting this right. Boise State over over Florida State. That's an that's a win over an ACC team. Um, Wyoming over Missouri. That's a win over an SEC team. Um, Nevada over Purdue is a win over a Big Ten team, and Hawaii over Arizona is a win over a Pac-12 team. Um, so I mean, that's interesting. Week that's one. Four of the <laughs> four of the five, right outside of the Big Twelve. Um, the Mountain West between week zero and week one took out four of the five Power Five conferences as far as in individual matchups and um Boise State or Florida State Kayla we won't stay on that game long because I know that's very upsetting <laughs> for you to talk about but that doesn't shock me um the moving to Tallahassee and still getting the win shocks me a little yeah. bit um but if you I mean I actually told we were sitting there preparing for the live podcast on Friday and Austin showed me his his work pool that he does games and I actually disagreed with a couple of them and one of them was I actually thought Boise State was going to win that game um, so I don't think that one's like a, you know, a huge shock. Wyoming over Missouri, I think is a, is a really big win and Hawaii over Arizona, probably not a huge shock either, but I think still, you know, a big time win. And like you said, even Fresno state playing within a, a one score game against USC. Um, I mean, I feel like, and then even the other teams that played games uh, against FCS opponents outside of San Diego state and, and is it Weber, Weber state? I don't know how you say that. Yeah. Weber uh, state. Weber State, that's a 6 nothing game. That's pretty ugly. But outside of that, I mean, even the other teams, like lower-level Mountain West teams like San Jose State, you know, handled Northern Colorado and games like that. I feel like, I mean, if you're at the Mountain West, you are absolutely thrilled with, with week zero and week one, right? Yeah, and for what it's worth, another game that I had my eye on was uh, Colorado State versus Colorado. And yeah. that's that's always kind of an interesting matchup because they open the season against one another every year, and they usually play it. I mean, they pretty much always play it. Um, at the Broncos Stadium, and I mean, Colorado State was holding holding yeah, with Colorado first game for a in the while. first half, right? Yeah, I mean, three, yeah. three point yeah. deficit at halftime. Um, so I mean, yeah, and ended up putting up quite a few points. And so, how, how did that make you feel? Uh, we can get bye week thoughts after we talk about the games, but how did that make you feel as an Air Force fan looking ahead to Week Three um, in your next game against Colorado, knowing the Rams were able to put up thirty one points on the Buffaloes? Uh, it makes them feel beatable uh, is really what it is, and, and it, it kind of confirmed a lot of my suspicions. I do think Colorado State is a much better team than they were last season. Um, I think that it's it just shows that Air Force is not going to have a tough time figuring out Colorado, um, and they do have. It's not a hundred percent chances they're going to win, but you know I think there's really a good shot. Yeah, and we'll like I said we'll get, we'll get more into that down um, later in the episode, but uh, yeah. So I think yeah, I mean big week, and then if you look at the at the AAC. Um, you know, uh, they had a, I feel like a pretty strong showing too. Um, uh, Cincinnati took down UCLA, right? So there's a, there's a PAC 12, um, win. not that we expected any close game between Florida A&M and UCF, but a complete route there shutout. Um, you know, uh, every team that kind of had a FCS game for the most part, um, did well. Houston, yes, got beat by Oklahoma, but I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, that's that, that Oklahoma offense is, is, Super, you know, super good, super powerful, but still kept it respectable. Still put up 31 um, in in that game. Tulane beat. I mean, we've we've talked Tulane as a as a good team, and there's some common opponents uh, here, but you know, for Army and, and Navy, um, Tulane took FIU to the you know to the woodshed, um, and that's supposed to be a pretty good FIU team um, this year, and beat them 42 to 14. Um, and, you know, so overall, I mean, and then and then Memphis beat. Ole Miss, right? So there's another SEC win. Um, so two, you know, Power Five, Power Five wins coming out of the AAC um, as well. And even the other teams that didn't win, I don't think they like played, you know, terrible. I mean, in ECU losing to NC State, 
34-6. I mean, that's not. Um, I don't think that's that's a you know a terrible showing. Tulsa losing to Mich- Michigan State, um, who was number 19 in the country, 28 to seven. I mean, a three-score game for them. I don't know. I feel like that's that's pretty respectable um, showing. So, any thoughts on the AAC from you guys? Or I think it's just good to show like week one, anything can happen. And I think for us, or for me at least, and and coming in is you know Army being able to. We talked about making their own schedule. It doesn't change too much about what I thought, like facing Tulane kind of in the in the next couple weeks um, specifically. But um, like I said, it's college football. Anything can happen. So we'll see. I totally agree. And just while we're on the topic, the one other thing I did want to mention that I'll maybe eat my words a little bit on um, or have me eating my words on from a former podcast was Georgia State over Rocky Top. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was, you know, that was something yeah. at least. I mean, so I was actually sitting there looking. and, you know, that game's going on and I'm thinking the same thing, right? Like we kind of, um, actually there was a fan on Twitter at some point that was kind of going back a Georgia state fan, um, yeah. based on some of our stuff and we kind of downplayed that. And I mean, obviously they're not coming off of a good season at all. And so that's more of a testament to, to Tennessee's, um, play, I think in a, in a large part, but you can't discount obviously what Georgia state did. Um, uh, collecting a nine hundred fifty thousand dollar paycheck to go beat Tennessee um, on Rocky Top. I mean, that's that's impressive, and so maybe that's another one on the Army schedule that does that does beef up um, the strength of schedule some, and is something we look at you know later in the season. And and all of a sudden, this is um, not not the Georgia State team of last year. Um, so okay, so let's let's go through, back through the weekend. Um, now that we've kind of given the props to the AAC, although South Florida laid a goose egg, I did forget to say that um, against Wisconsin. But let, let, we gave props to the AAC, we gave props to, to the Mountain West. Both conferences should be happy, um, and that's going to be a really good race this year, I think, um, if they continue to play in any other non-conference matchups kind of similarly um, for – because we know that if it comes down to an undefeated or one-loss team from those conferences, that, that the perception of the conference is going to drive um, that – that discussion of which is the best group of five teams. So I think they're going to both have pretty good arguments. Um, but let's get into the games from over the weekend. Um, and then we only have one game to talk about for week two. And that's um, that's Army and Michigan. So obviously a huge game on Saturday at the big house. Um, but first, let's, let's go back through um, a couple of the other games and get caught up on the weekend. Uh, I, I was not watching um, the Air Force um, Colgate game because I was at the Navy game, but I was doing some live tweeting and I kept up with the, the game cast um, throughout the game. So I know, Scott, that you were watching, of course. So why don't you give us uh, a breakdown of just, um, I mean, honestly, how dominant they were. The the final score, like it often does against FCS opponents, perhaps doesn't, you know, um, tell the tale of the tape, right, of, of just how dominant it appears that Air Force was in that game. Yeah, so... Um... I mean, I guess the real word that I would use to describe kind of how I felt about the game is I've, I feel a slight sense of vindication um, that finally everything that was promised of this Air Force team based on this first showing has has really come true. Um, you know, we were told a lot about players who were going to make huge, huge strides in improvement, and they really did. Uh, the, the real per- player that sticks out to me uh, was Trey Bug, who I was really, really excited about, who's been a great player. Um, but hasn't been one of our number one DBs up to this point, and just came out really hot. Third play of the game, uh, Grant Brenneman threw a pick, 
and he he was able to return it for a few yards, and that set us up for a touchdown. So, and he's um, somebody that's been talked about, you know, in the in the offseason yeah. as somebody that was going to emerge. That's a good one to kind of see, like, yeah, that came to fruition. You know, Brigham's written about him, um, and and even on Twitter, just between some of the players and stuff, like you kind of got the sense that that he was coming to play this year. Yeah, so that that's absolutely awesome to see. Um, and then Donald Hammond the third just came out on that drive and just back and forth. Uh, Back and forth running plays between Taven Burdo and Cade Remsburg um, ended with Donald Hammond running in a two-yard touchdown, and that is exactly what we were told was going to happen, and that's exactly what we saw. Um, I will admit I had my reservations a little bit about Cade Remsburg. I always thought he was good, uh, but I wasn't sure. I mean, he had kind of big shoes to fill. Um, if you look at the other service academies, I mean, it's so important to have that stud running back, and he's extremely patient. Um, he runs really well. He can read defenses. He can he can find the hole, and he, he did just an awesome job. And that really complemented Taven Burdo's running, um, which is he just runs like a bull. He's able to blow up lines, uh, get those yards when he needs it, and Donald Hammond is completely confident, and they really mesh extremely well uh, when running the triple option. Um, Air Force, basically all of our starters were in for the first half, um, and then we, we rested them. And so, I mean – 28 points in the second quarter um and we just got up 35 to nothing which i mean it's an incredible pace even against an fcs team and as far as our defense goes uh just absolutely lights out in addition to trey bug i mean our our line mofafita really just captaining that line and then our linebackers were playing extremely well as well um and i i mean as much as they weren't able to get on the board until late in the game i thought grant brenneman did a really fine job of running the rpo um and it's a good test because it's you know it kind of shows us what to expect in that at least that system even if it's not the strongest thing. Uh, what really impressed me in the second half though was so we had Isaiah Sanders come out and I mean didn't seem dejected in the fact that he's not starting. Um, I mean he really filled in and I think the players kind of respect him as another leader. I, I thought that that was going to be an issue and that was an issue last year is not knowing who to look to as a leader. But when he's in, he really owns the role. Um, and he actually threw the only pass of the game, and that was to Gerard Sanders, the only pass of the game for Air Force, and that was to Gerard Sanders um, for a 41-yard uh, gain, and that set us up for a touchdown as well. And what was really cool about our, our running backs was just how deep we truly are. I didn't even realize exactly how deep we were going to be. We have it, it was basically set up so we would sub them in as duos, and so we had um, Cade Rensberg and, and Taven Burdo first, and then we brought in Josh Stoner, and Timothy Jackson, and just back and forth, back and forth, touchdown. And same thing with Nolan Erickson and Christian Mallard. Um, I mean, and, and what more could you ask for when you have basically three units? And then we were also able, another thing we did, which was kind of interesting, was we had a joiner roster. Um, and so we brought in some guys who were freshmen and who, who may not dress in other games this season, and, and a lot of them got playing time, whether it was just a snap or two. So seeing the depth um, was really, really impressive to me. Um, and what was cool, and this is a guy who I've been high on and, and maybe for the next few years we'll be able to see, um, is a kid named Kyle Patterson, who he was our, our big recruit who turned down an offer from Georgia and Alabama to come to Air Force, and he's a tight yeah. end. And this is a conversation for another day, but I think it kind of shows the development and how different it is. And, and now that we have a direct route to the NFL for some players, um, it's going to be it's difficult to still get talent four-star talent and five-star talent that way. I mean, never five-star talent, but to even get those kind of players, it's going to right. be a difficult thing to do in terms of development. But 
all in all, it was everything that I wanted to see. Like I said, the confidence builder, watch these guys mesh, let them trust the process after coming off of two losing seasons, and set them up to kind of work on some things to get ready for Colorado. And then, you, I mean, you, meant, you mentioned Trey Bug, so was he kind of your defensive MVP? Um, and then, you know, you know, who stood out offense, defense, um, special teams, maybe not as, as much involved in the game. I don't think there was a field goal tried or anything like that, but um, who stood out in kind of all three phases of the game to you real quick? Yeah, I would say um, definitely, I mean, I'll just start out on defense. As much as I don't think we got to see Trey Bug make as many contributions, just in terms of improvement, and what we needed in a DB, I would say that he was my standout. And then especially with the pick, I mean, um, Colgate didn't really give the defense too many opportunities to have any kind of highlights. It was mostly just shutting him down. Um, but I was really impressed by his play, and I think we're going to see big things out of him. So I really want to give it to him for the first game at least. And then on offense, it's got to go to Donald Hammond. Um, we needed somebody to step up, and, and he's the man. I mean, and he was able to run in for three touchdowns, like I said, really running that triple option well. And that's what we need. We need to be a well-oiled machine. And then on special teams, um, I mean, yeah, we were, I, I believe we missed all, or we made all but one uh, extra point attempt, and that was because it was a blocked field goal coming from the blind side. So, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so um, it just my observation, I, was, I didn't watch the game just to be – Honest, I, I just got back from Annapolis last night. Haven't had a chance today to like kind of you know catch the game or anything like that um, on replay. But um, just it was just back and forth between Hammond and Remsburg. Like who was gonna like you know score the most TDs? Um, three for Hammond, two for Remsburg in that first half. And just um, yeah, I mean they were clearly putting on a show. Um, Kayla, do you have any thoughts on this? You probably I don't know if you caught it either, um, but. Yeah, I caught this. So I caught the second half, and I was actually I was pleasantly surprised by kind of the dominance of Air Force pretty much from the beginning snap until the end of the game. And that was one something that you know we had talked about in kind of the previews and what we're looking for. And it kind of seemed like, at least from this specific game, it kind of like answered all the questions I think that Scott had that I had in terms of like where are the holes that they're going to fill in. You know, you know having a dominant you know quarterback. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see them go forward. I do think it's, and I don't know, maybe this may be a differing opinion, but between the service academies, they had not the easiest win, but like in terms of opponents, right, it seemed like the most dominant um, of just kind of play experience from just the, the entire game. So I'm wondering kind of going forward now that they obviously have a bye week like Navy, so they have some time to rest and kind of go back before they set up for their next opponent. Um, but I'm just interested in kind of, I don't know if that even matters really in, in terms of just strength of opponent, which we kind of know, we knew um, kind of going into it, how, you know, how relatively difficult it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Colgate, I'll, go ahead, Scott, you answer this is your team. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those questions that um, I don't even know if we need the answer to really right. just going yeah. forward. The fact that we have a power five, uh, team coming up next but the other thing I did want to reiterate is as much as like Remsburg and Hammond look great really it could have been any three of those guys uh, from our starting from our starting three who, who generally run the ball um, it was really just a matter of time and circumstance I mean Taven Berto could have could have basically run in all those touchdowns as well it was basically just whichever guy was up next to get the touchdown so yeah I mean um, that's and that's what you want right like that's literally the best case scenario is uh, is it even though you say uh, we got to give it to Hammond he obviously ran the offense well, three touchdowns. The fact that it was just kind of luck of who got the carry. I mean, Birdo had the most yards, you know, 
uh, in the game. So, I mean, that's that's got to be like, that's got to feel good that it's like kind of just when you got into the down to the goal line, who got the ball on that carry on that play, you know, based on the decision and the read that was made, um, kind of just luck of the draw more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's good stuff. Yeah, obviously um, Air Force is, is off this week, like we said. So any before we go to kind of our first commercial break, any bye week thoughts and that you, if you have anything else to kind of add to your um, optimism based on the Colorado State performance against Colorado, that Colorado is certainly beatable um this year and and what air force needs to kind of do in this bye week and moving into next week um to be prepared to go to boulder for the first time in quite a while um to, <clears throat> to take on the buffaloes i think uh as far as the cu team is looking they're exactly what we expected they're a hard nose um just kind of middle tier power five team you know they're not going to do anything super impressive for the rest of their season but it's going to be a tough challenge for air force um i think they're completely beatable I think that the that their coach kind of has has lived up to the promises that he made of, of playing hard nosed football. Um, but another thing that I was really kind of hoping to see that I think we're gonna figure out over the next week is uh, the wide receivers. So like I said, only one pass thrown, so we didn't get to see a lot from them. Um, but we did get a lot of those guys on the joiner roster rotated in. So maybe someone just blocking or running routes or something. Uh, kind of spark something with the coaching staff. And so maybe we'll have a few of those questions kind of answered going in because um, I do think that we will likely have to throw the ball um, against Colorado. And, and I mean, one thing that I would say is I kind of look to Army with, you know, could we in theory just run the ball and control the clock and all that kind of stuff. And and I think it's possible, but I think Air Force is slightly more dynamic in in the way that we play and in in our weapons. And I think that that's something that um, we're going to have to kind of make the most of in the next game. So I don't know. I hope that's the main focus um, during this off week, and hopefully they'll come ready to play because if they bring the same energy and the same level of talent and skill that they had against Colgate, I think we'll be it'll at least be a good game. Yeah, and I think um, you know. You gave Grant Brenneman some positive, you know, feedback, I guess, on the game that he felt like you felt like he still kind of ran the offense well. But you have to be really impressed with the Air Force defense overall. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you hold them to 161 total yards between the passing and rushing game with neither of those being over 100 yards, that's a good day. Um, and so I, I don't know. You kind of think about that game against Colorado and it might be in my mind, it's almost a toss up. You can kind of go either way on like. Air Force's defense um, could be the 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 deciding factor in that game because because Colorado's offense is really is going to be good. So your ability to get some stops and what we've seen would indicate that that's certainly a possibility. But on the flip side, um, you need that offense to be to be churning and doing what they're doing and putting up points. Um, but I think they will. So in my, if I was kind of making that decision on the fly, I would say if Air Force defense plays how they're capable of playing against Colorado and limits them to you know, 28 points or something like that, right? 20, 24 points, I don't know, something like that, then then absolutely winnable game. You, you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, does this game matter for the CIC race? Does it matter for the conference? No, but it absolutely is going to set the tone heading into conference play. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, yeah, so good game. Bye week this week. Um, good stuff on Air Force. Obviously going to be minimal talk on them and Navy this week with a lot of Army talk. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hit up Navy real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into Army's game from this past week, and then take another break, and then come back and talk all things Army Michigan. Be right back.
Okay, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, we just got done talking Air Force Colgate. Big win for the Falcons, 48-7 to in Week 1 over an FCS opponent out of the Patriot League and the Raiders, but predicted to win the Patriot League this year. So um, there, there is that. Navy also played a Patriot League foe in Holy Cross Week 1. I was at that game. Um, it was a good time. We did our live podcast on Friday at Mission Barbecue. Had a great tailgate with Seawolf Brewery on Saturday. Um and got to go to the game, got to you know do the press box thing, which is always fun, and cover the game. And it was just really um, similar to Air Force, just really good. So many changes to Navy this year um, between Malcolm coming back, the quarterback, kind of full-time, and that's his deal this year. A lot of uncertainty in a lot of areas, and obviously seven new you know assistant coaches um, and, and a whole new defensive scheme under Brian Newberry. How is Navy going to respond? Um, and it was not perfect, of course. Um, the defense, you know, they they you know they, they gave up a touchdown. They um, they had some drives where Holy Cross was moving the ball, but overall, the physical intensity, um, the big hits, those are just things that kind of stood out to me. Watching the game was just they were they were playing harder. Um, I feel like than they have in in maybe in the past couple of years. Um, on the punt return was kind of a weird thing. Jacob Springer bobbled one that should have been a, a turnover, um, but Holy Cross ended up getting called for a personal foul and that was before that that actually helped Navy and pushed it back from where it would have been if the fumble had actually counted. Um, and he kind of muffed another one too. So some some special teams, things to work out. Um, but there was definitely some standouts in that game. Um, and the biggest one for me on the offensive side of the ball was just the balance of the offense. One thing that was sorely lacking last year was the slot back play. Um, some, some games almost non-existent, getting the slot backs involved um, and that kind of rotating quarterback situation last year um and the 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 abex had 270 yards rushing you know by themselves in the game um which was huge and just a ton of big plays from them cj williams 10 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown uh keone cordell uh makakao he had a a huge grab um down the sideline on a pass that was a little bit underthrown by perry off his back foot um i mean it was just really really good to see the slot backs um, similar to kind of Air Force, it just didn't matter who who, who you put in there. Um, they were averaging 12, 13, 14 yards a carry. C.J. Williams had 9.1 yards a carry, but he had the most carries out of them at 10. Miles Fells averaged 19 yards a carry. Taz Malloy 14. Um, you know, it was just it was just kind of nonstop. Whoever you were rotating in, the B backs, the fullback Nelson Smith, great game, 15 carries, 96 yards. He got our CIC MVP for Navy for this week when Rocky did that, and and deserving because he had three touchdowns. Once again, kind of just. Um, some of the goal line stuff, but he did have a really nice 49-yard touchdown run where he just hit the hole and was gone. Uh, and then Malcolm just running the offense, um, you know, looked really good as well. He got a rushing touchdown, but he didn't have to carry near as much. Um, and passing the ball, I would say mixed bag, but his stats were good, right? Six for nine for 103 yards. Um, they opened it up a little bit. It kind of gave us a look at some of that. Um, he overthrew, of those three passes that were incomplete, he overthrew um, a couple of them pretty badly, but and a couple of them, the the receivers or running backs had to you know make an adjustment to to make the play, but that's going to happen regardless. But we got to see Michael Cooper, who um, the coaches have been raving about a receiver. He had two catches for 48 yards, including a, I believe it was is it a 41 or 44 yard 44 yard catch, um, you know that that was really pretty from Malcolm. Um, so it was really yeah it was really cool um, to see the offense kind of do that do that well. Um, and then Malcolm came out kind of right at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they just kind of. It was really weird, guys. I don't know. We all watching the game yeah. at all? <laughs> that last part, yeah, of just having the new yeah. rotation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, were you watching it at all? 
Uh, I was not. I have it on. Yeah. Uh, I have it recorded. I got to watch it still. No, yeah. So it was craziest thing, right? So Ivan Jasper, Navy's offensive coordinator, for the first time in his career as offensive coordinator, which has been, you know, 11 years now or whatever, um, coached from the sidelines instead of the press box. Um, and and he started doing basically, you know, what Paul Johnson always has done in his coaching career is um, he, instead of calling a play or whatever with, you know, sign cards and stuff like that, or obviously calling from the box, um, Paul Johnson, who always called his own plays, um, would, you know, give the play to a, a running back and send them in right as he's rotating players in and send the play in with somebody. So um, after Perry came out, um, Jasper literally every play rotated between the second, third, and fourth string um, quarterback. So every single play was a different guy running in with the play and running one play at a time and then coming out. It was like the most bizarre thing ever. Um, I know they're trying to get those guys exposure and, and kind of see who emerges as QB2, but it was just it was just really weird to kind of watch. Um Happen. I almost wonder if that's if that's to throw them off against an easier opponent, if that's maybe kind of the strategy, because I think that could be a smart move, like get them out of their rhythm and force them to go in and make a play if possible. But Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I mean, Coach can definitely address it in the press press conference afterwards. It's like this isn't something you necessarily want to be doing where you're not giving guys – usually you give you guys a series or something, right? Um, but it was just kind of what they wanted to roll with to get them get the guys playing time, but also – kind of work in this way of sending in the plays. And, and I'm assuming Coach Jasper is going to be on the sidelines moving forward. And, you know, if, if things continue to go as well as they did. And I actually asked Malcolm in the press conference after the game if he preferred the sidelines or the press box. And he said, hands down, the sidelines. Just being able to see, you know, Coach Jasper right there, calling the play, telling him, not having to worry about going through a headset. Um, and so just an interesting kind of change on the coaching side um, to throw in there. And then on the defense, defensive side of the ball, I mean – um, just some big players stood out. Cameron Kenley had a, a big tackle for a loss and big sack in the first two drives. Um, Diego Fago ended up with nine tackles in the game. Um, Nizer Cromarty had a play where he got a, basically a sack, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery all in the same play. And they, I mean, they were, they were just, they, it wasn't perfect. They definitely had some drives where Holy Cross moved the ball, but, um, they were just playing with an intensity that's been missing a lot. Um, and so it'll be really interesting to see how that kind of progresses, um, moving forward. And then maybe one of the biggest questions answered was who was going to be Navy's place kicker. Um, it was kind of a three-way uh, or, or, or on the depth chart. Um, and Bijan Nichols, a plebe, a freshman, um, came out as the starter and, and um, hit a 44-yard field goal with plenty to spare um, right, right down the middle of the uprights um, and converted all six of his extra points. So that was really good to see. So I think overall, a ton of positives, um, certainly things to improve on as Navy moves into conference play with a bye this week, moving into ECU. Um, but you have to really be excited the way that we've talked before about the way the schedule sets up with ECU coming to Annapolis week three um, and Navy getting a good look at a lot of players and um, and what they did. So any thoughts from y'all on, the, on Navy and Holy Cross? I mean, I was really satisfied uh, with what I saw, especially kind of the unknown about Malcolm Perry. Um, and that was really good looking at him and, and seeing both leadership and kind of how he commanded the team. And also I was looking for that kind of run and shoot and seeing how that would play out, um, how much Navy would utilize that, especially um, hoping that they kind of do it a little early on in the season to see if that's something that they can utilize uh, closer, especially, you know, for the Army-Navy game, if that's something that that will kind of be best to their advantage. So I was satisfied. And like I said, like you had mentioned, the, that was kind of odd at the end is like rotating um, all of those different players. And I feel like, but then again, maybe there's like what other better time to do it than like week one. Yep. You're <laughs> you up, know? whatever at that point you're up, uh, I, you know, I guess 
Uh, no, you're up 45. I mean, the final score, like it was really only for one drive or so at the end, um, or maybe two drives, um, because the very first play of after they brought Perry out, that's when Nelson Smith had his long touchdown run, and so it was literally the next series. So they're up 45-7 in the fourth quarter with, you know, I don't remember what it was, seven, eight minutes to go in the game. Um, yeah, why not Why not try some of that out if you're going to be adjusting how you call plays already? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that was something they planned, you know, way ahead of time or whatever, but uh, I'm sure they had a conversation about it. But, yeah. That's something to look forward to then. Cause it, and kind of how we notated kind of just being like, huh, that's interesting. And the same way Scott, you know, mentioned it, maybe the opponent is thinking the same thing because I was definitely wondering, like, what is going on down there? I mean, obviously, like, you know, like it seemed like it would make sense, like them being up, but at the same time. So so we'll see, especially kind of if that happens again. I think that's something uh, that they'll kind of note um, and kind of like what Coach Cannon is going to say forward um, is his reasoning for that. Yeah. So 45-7 win for Navy. Week off, ECU coming to town to start conference play. It'll be a big game, but I think it's just it's a really good team to start conference play with. Um, and if you're Navy, you have to be excited about what you saw um, in week one, just like Air Force. I think both of those were almost best-case scenarios um, and how those games kind of played out, um, even if you still expected that kind of score and outcome, but just the way that they, they both dominated. So good stuff. Two bye weeks coming up. So before we go to break on – Another break. Let's let's recap a little bit of um, Army Rice and talk about that game on Friday night, which was going on when we were doing our podcast. Um, and obviously, Kayla, I'll give you kind of first crack at you know your first impressions. I know you said you were excited to hear what we thought, but um, your first impressions on the game. Um, I know you caught the first quarter and a half, maybe or so, at the um, at Mission Barbecue, and then you know we're headed back, and so probably had to kind of recatch up on. Um, the rest of the game towards the end, but you know your thoughts on the game. Yeah, definitely, it's funny because I think my initial impression I was sitting there watching like very unhappy <laughs> with like the first half. Right. And I was like, what is? I was like, we're almost to the end of the second quarter. Like I'm getting zero zero. What? What's going on? Um, and I and I think that's kind of a testament to, I think maybe myself and I don't know if y'all agree too is that we sort of really vastly underestimated this rice team rather than kind of like overcompensating for army and i think that was really kind of what i was thinking um was kind of expected them to dominate right um and have this kind of like um double digit lead already like going into the second half and that's definitely not what happened um so i thought that was interesting and i think in hindsight watching the game um back going over highlights you know yesterday over the weekend i was actually really happy kind of with what they did i think Rice's defense was absolutely astonishing. I was really surprised with that. But like we had mentioned, uh, you know, the week before they had some graduate transfers come in, so they've got some guys with some experience. Um, it really forced them to get kind of creative. Uh, that little uh, kind of reverse trick play um, from uh, Kelvin Hopkins to, to to Christian Hayes and kind of give us 35 yards to go into to touchdown was really creative. So I thought that was interesting because I think we've talked also about um, you know, how much a system Army has, um, how creative they can get, how comfortable, or the possibility of them getting comfortable, and kind of to see kind of where they fit um, and kind of how they react uh, with the Rice defense was really good. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with that. Uh, but they also, in terms of like, you know, putting numbers up 
um, not really kind of what you want to see going into Michigan and coming up. So I, and I, I'm gonna, I know we'll get into more of that. But like I said, a win is a win. Um, you know, we, I think we're all expecting them to, you know, dominate uh, aggressively uh, kind of in the first half. That's not what happened. But I think I still think that they played really well. Yeah, and uh, before I, I know Scott's already mentioned, you guys may be surprised, but he's going to be pretty positive and optimistic as we move forward on Army today. <laughs> Just um, today. So, and I have, well, I have plenty of positives from from. I did was able to catch more of that game um, after the you know the podcast and caught the end of the game for sure. Um, and so I caught those kind of last two drives, which were the two deciding drives in the game. You know, um, and I obviously caught the same stuff you caught at the beginning of the game at the the podcast recording. Um, I do have some things that we we have brought up before that I just want to mention that you know you take them however you want to take them. I think they are things to consider um, as we get into the Michigan conversation um, is first off, um, Kelvin Hopkins kind of passing game was up and down, right? Yeah. I think he ended up three for eight for fifty three yards, but when it came down to it, um, he was able to find a guy that we said has to step up as a slot back. Um, and make plays in the, as a receiver as well this year. And Kel Walker, who had also had kind of an up-and-down game, but but made big plays, um, so had a touchdown pass. Um, but three for eight for 53 yards, obviously we don't expect Army to pass a ton, but just an up-and-down game in that regard. Um, Sandy McCoy was starting at fullback um, for Connor Slomka, who was injured, who's supposed to be back this week for the Michigan game. Um, so, you know, maybe that's obviously, I think, an improvement um, at that position and will enhance their chances when we get into that Michigan conversation, but same thing, like he had some moments, but he also had just had some, um, he had a fumble loss and, and he just had some kind of some issues at times and just got stuffed, you know, several times. And maybe that's on the offensive line, which we said, you know, what's the life, the loss of Bryce Holland at center mean for army. And is that more um, than we thought it was going to be, you know, as far as, as how that team performs. Um, and then another thing, you know, actually I don't have the, the actual final stats, um, here, let me see if I can pull it up real quick because I don't want to get it wrong. So, yeah, okay. Well, they went for it twice. So, um, we've brought up before, and by we, I mean Scott, um, the whole kind of uh, the whole fourth down yeah. and just the, the decision, you know, and how long can you sustain, um, you know, you're not going to hit fourth down at the level you hit last year. That was absurd. Third down and fourth down, you know, that was just absurd numbers and in a great season for Army. Um, but on the very, is it the first drive of the game? Yeah, the first drive of the game. They turn it over on downs. They go for it on fourth and one on their own 15-yard line um, after um, getting the ball from Rice and saying that McCoy got stuffed. And so, I mean, that's that's a call that literally no other coach in the country, I don't think, makes. I don't think there's another coach in the country. Um, fourth and one on your first drive of the season from your own 15, elects to go for it. Um, and, and it didn't work out. And then the next time they had a fourth down try, it did, you know, they, they got it. So they were one for two on the on the night. But those are just things that we have brought up before um, that maybe, you know, kind of showed where Army is, at least in this first game on some of those things. Um, and you can take them as negative, if you will. I don't mean it that way. I just mean we've, we've discussed them before. Um, and there were definitely things to think about moving forward. Um, so those are kind of my... I guess they are, you know, negative things to kind of point out. But I'll let Scott take over for the positive stuff and kind of tell us about, you know, how Army kind of gutted out a victory and and played in a game that was just super close um, throughout the entire game. And it came down to literally a drive by the offense that was necessary at the end of the game and then a stop on defense. You know, those last two drives, that was the deciding um, factor in the game in a game that was 7-7 for most of the game. So, Scott, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so 
I was telling Caleb before the podcast, if if I'm an Army fan, what well, I guess I said at the beginning, if I'm an Army fan, I am extremely happy uh, to come out with the win in this game against, like as Kayla said, a much improved Rice team compared to what we thought. And I, I always, in this circumstance, I kind of look to these bigger teams like Alabama and like the Patriots, and you look how their coaches are. And what do they always do? They always try and downplay how good their teams really are. And they try to say, oh, everybody's against us, that kind of thing. You haven't really seen that from Army, considering how good they've been for the last few years. So I think humbling themselves and putting a chip on their shoulder, manufacturing a chip to go on their shoulder, is probably a good thing um, against a team like this. And so I, the one thing that I want to say that's a big positive kind of overall, to go into a game with a 28-point spread that you're supposed to win by that large of a margin, and to have a really close game for the entire game, to be able to not lose your composure and not want to rush and not want to make those just kind of big, uh, risky plays, I mean, that is supreme discipline to me. And so I would say that I'm really happy. I think this is, there's a lot of lessons learned going into Michigan. Um, you alluded to Kelvin Hopkins Jr. What I think one of the things that we learned about Kelvin Hopkins He's not going to read defenses. He needs design plays. And, I mean, he threw the ball away a lot on some of those plays. Um, and But the one thing that was really impressive where we saw him shine was on that play. I had to go back and watch it like three or four times. And, unfortunately, we couldn't get the angle, uh, the camera angle of what exactly happened with the safety and the DBs. But when Kel Walker uh, actually got past the line was and was running on his route, Kelvin Hopkins had a tiny, tiny window, and he was being pressured. There was a great pass rush on that play, and he was able to, even though Kel Walker was wide open, he only had a matter of seconds of window to actually throw that ball and get the touchdown, and he was able to do it. So I was highly impressed with that. Um, Another thing is, I think this game really showed how much Army misses Darnell Woolfolk. He was a huge loss. Um, I think they thought they were going to be able to hit the ground running with their current players at running back. Um, but you know, it's been tough, but they were able to find a way to make it work. And that was really impressive. And and, I mean, some of the negative things that we did see, like you said, um, going for it on that, on their own 15 on fourth and one, that was tough. And then they got a gift from rice with the missed field goal attempt. So, um, like I said, a lot of things did happen to go their way that helped them get this win. Uh, there was actually two missed field goals from rice. But overall, you got your win, and we learned a lot. And going forward, I think they're going to be even much improved from this first game. Yeah, and I, I would – and so, I mean, yeah, a lot of this, those same pauses, like I said, they gutted the game out. Um, Hopkins obviously showed poise. I think your point about just kind of sticking with it, you know, outside of the fumble by McCoy, um, you know, they just – I mean, they weren't putting together drives. They just weren't. You know, they had, a you know, um, outside of their touchdown drives, very, very short drives, which is very – um, you know, unarmy like I guess in the past couple of seasons, no like long sustained drives outside of essentially their two touchdown drives were both over nine minute drives. So th- that's what we got accustomed to last year, right? Like sixteen plays, ninety five right. yards in in nine forty eight, eighteen plays, ninety six yards in nine twenty one. Like didn't matter where you start with the ball, um, both those times like inside their five yard line and march down the field for almost ten minutes, and those were their two touchdowns. Um, but they stayed the course, like they didn't panic, they kept. Um, hanging in there, the defense, which we haven't even really talked about at all, um, I think had played a tremendous game. And, and the guys that we expected to step up and have to make plays at the end, you know, Cole Christensen led that defense with tack, seven tackles, and he's that guy. But we've brought up the name plenty of times, you know, Jalen McClinton. When it came down to it, needing to stop, 
man made a play, right? And that's what you want to see. And so there, there are plenty of positives um, for any Army fans out there that, that felt down in the dumps with only a, a seven-point victory when you were expected to win by three scores. So, Another question that I kind of had going into the season about Army. So their plan, according to Jeff Munkin, is control the football, don't have any turnovers, and um, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. No mistakes and, and control the football as much as you can. And so I kind of wondered, that's an incredibly difficult thing to do, right? I mean, those are easy to say, and it's a simple plan overall, but it's incredibly difficult to do. And so I wondered, what was the threshold for that? Does that mean that they're already putting themselves kind of behind the curve if they have one turnover, or if they don't automatically win the race on kind of time of possession? And I think that this also showed that even if they are making mistakes, they they can still have a few and come out with a win. And I think that was another big thing, even with the turnover um, and, you know, even with kind of their pace of play and not scoring when it seemed like that that they absolutely had to. So, Yeah. Any other thoughts on this game in particular, Kayla? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, so, I mean, I, we all kind of are in agreement, I think, that, you know, maybe at first glance, rough, but, I mean, certainly at the end, um, they showed kind of plenty of composure. They stuck with the game plan. Um, even when they got had a turnover and some, you know, decision, the fourth and one on, at their own 15, like Scott said, they got a gift with a missed 26-yard field goal or 24-yard field goal or whatever that was. Um, but uh, but overall, like even when things didn't go according to that script of, of um, how they kind of, you know, lay out their game plan, they still fought and, and pulled out a victory. So, um, you know, and, and of the three teams, obviously playing the toughest opponent, certainly um, week one between the three service academies. So good win, um, you know, at home and now the big game coming up this weekend. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all things Army, Michigan, and what we can expect heading into uh, a big game in the big house. Be right back. Welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. We're here recapping, just finished recapping all of week one um, for the three teams, and then we're getting into week two here late in our podcast episode, but um, hopefully you stuck around at this point because it's obviously a huge game and a game that Army folks have had circled as, you know, in my opinion, um, they might would disagree or argue with me that they still, you know, CIC games, whatever, but, like, this has been the game that they've wanted to talk about since last season ended. Um, in the Armed Forces Bowl against Houston is they're going to the big house to take on uh, a top 10 Michigan team uh, and and I have had you know some optimism that they're going to potentially go into the big house um, and have a chance to pull out a victory um, against against the Wolverines. So um, I guess first let's talk, you know, anybody that caught the Michigan Middle Tennessee game, any kind of thoughts on Michigan um, and what they showed week one before we talk Army and how they can um, potentially keep this game close and, and be in it at the end with a chance to win. Yeah. So I, I caught the game um, and watched uh, kind of some highlights and notes and stuff. And it was funny because I I don't know who tweeted. I was, you know, on my tweet deck watching the game and someone had screenshotted, uh, you know, Michigan and Middle Tennessee State in like the first uh, few minutes. And, you know, Middle Tennessee had made like – they had made a touchdown and it was 7-0 and everyone's like oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening right um and it was interesting because I think Michigan you know they they played their game they it was 40 uh, 40-21 uh last week so obviously they did their thing but they made a few mistakes too uh you know they had a fumble in kind of the the first quarter that they ended up actually regaining and they had four 
uh, or excuse me, they had five drives thereafter, so they kind of caught back up against that. But they had some offside penalties, so they made a couple mistakes here and there. Um, that was interesting, and, and Harbaugh kind of talked about that in the postgame highlights um, in his kind of media conference. Um, but I think it was still a good game. It was They racked up a uh, team as a whole 453 yards overall, which is crazy uh, when we kind of talk about um, Army in comparison to playing Rice, which is something I think um, – Someone noted uh, in kind of their post-game review um, in terms of, you know, Army coming against Michigan, that's something that you're want, you're going to want to way, way increase, right? Um, you know, Army, Kelvin Hopkins making uh, history is, you know, first 1,000 1, yards, you know, rushing is fabulous, and that's great for Army, but this is something Michigan has been doing for quite some time now, so they're definitely going to have to step up to the plate. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Michigan made a couple mistakes here and there, um, and if, I think that's something, if that's replicated, if Army can kind of find those grooves and, and take hold of that, then they might be able to come out with a victory. Just maybe. Just maybe. But it's a slim margin, I think. <laughs> Scott, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, so um, one thing that I did find pretty interesting, and, and I'll try to kind of talk about the stats as they relate to actually playing against Army, one thing I found interesting was uh, Jim Harbaugh's decision to play Dylan McCaffrey in the way that he did. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore quarterback who's playing behind Shea Patterson, and he got him in in the first quarter as well as kind of intermittently in the second half, which I thought was interesting, and it kind of says something about their pace of play. So I think Army likes to play fast and, and wear down teams, and, I mean, going up against a Power 5 team, that's already a tough task to do so now you've got to consider the fact that these guys like playing a little bit faster and are prepared to do so um and i mean shea patterson was able to put up 203 yards and throw for three touchdowns but also dylan mccaffrey went completed both of his passes for 17 yards and then had eight carries for 42 yards and a touchdown um so that's a little bit of a kind of a scary stat if i'm army just looking at what they're going to be facing another thing about michigan is three of their players who were injured big players uh, wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, and then they had two linemen, one on defense, one on O-line, o uh, John Runyon Jr. and Donovan Jeter. Um, those guys are all supposed uh, supposed to come back. And so, I mean, you want to talk about a team with depth, it's just going to be the next man up going up against Army. So um, I think that's going to be a tough thing to do, kind of reattacking a little bit what Army's going to have to worry about in terms of players. Um, and... I mean, as much as Michigan did make mistakes, I think that they they averaged 35 points a game last season. I mean, I think that they can afford to, to make a few mistakes. And so I, even if Army's able to kind of expose those and, and force mistakes on Michigan, I mean, I think it's it's going to be a tall task. But I, I, I mean, we'll talk. I know this is a little bit of a kind of looking forward, but um, yeah, I think that this, this didn't show them a whole lot to be confident in against Middle Tennessee, but... It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, and and so to your point on the offense, right? The this is a brand new offense for Michigan. They brought in Josh Gaddis from Alabama, um, who was at, who was the co-offensive coordinator last year at Alabama. Uh, this guy is thirty five years old. If you want to, you know, feel bad about your life and what you're doing with it, <laughs> um, he is the he's the offense coordinator at Michigan now, and he's thirty five, um, and he's you know supposed to be like the up and coming kind of you know genius um, offensive guru. Um, and, and came to Michigan. And so this was their first game kind of running that offense to Scott's points exactly about pace of play and things like that. And yes, that's going to obviously um, be of concern for Army, but they get a full game look at this um, from Middle Tennessee State. But I think also to Scott's point, like, yeah, the score ends up being 
40 to 21 and maybe Michigan fans are like, Oh no. Um, but if you look at kind of how uh, the points were actually scored for Middleton, NC state coming off, the, I mean, literally Shea Patterson fumbled the ball in the first play of the game. So obviously not how you want to start your season. Um, and middle Tennessee turns that into a touchdown. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, they had an, an eight play drive that they only had to go 33 yards in, you know, that resulted in, um, in their second touchdown before the half. And then they didn't score again until literally the, you know, the last drive of the game when that was 40 to 14 with 145 to go. And they, you know, and they had a 59 yard touchdown pass. Um, so that, that that's it as far as their points. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, I don't know, some of these games, early games, you look at it and you're like, look at the score and like, Oh, it's closer than I thought maybe, or more points I thought than I thought they would give up, but really they didn't. I mean, really they only gave up one touchdown um you know real drive uh, just because of the way the game started and, and the offense had some issues certainly Shea Patterson didn't play necessarily as good as he wanted no one wants to come out and fumble to start the season but the defense had you know plenty of of good things um that, that they did and and they you know they recovered um several fumbles and and or a fumble and had um an interception so they were getting some turnovers and um we know their their defense is going to be good to me this comes down to um, this game, this game to me comes down to Michigan's offense versus Army's defense, um, and we'll get to kind of the breakdown of that. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it wasn't perfect for Michigan by any means, but I don't think this. You look at the score, and I just don't think that this game um, was actually as close as it, it maybe looks if you just literally look at the box score. Would you guys agree with oh, that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, so plenty though to to look at, and we'll kind of you know obviously end our our show today um, talking about the the game. So Michigan's welcoming army um and uh, you know a couple things to note perhaps um is is that um there are a couple of navy tie guys which i've mentioned before on michigan staff and sean mcgee who is like the associate ad for um, football uh, it's basically his title but he's a he's not a coach but um you know is on the staff and is basically he's basically harbaugh's right hand man um as far as the administration side of things and recruiting and all that um, but he played at Navy and uh, was on Ken's staff for several years. Um, and Sean Nua, as the defensive line coach, um, coached at Navy um, for a couple of seasons. So it's not like they don't have people to kind of turn to, um, to to think about how to play Army. So, you know, I'm not saying that that makes a huge difference in the game, but definitely just something to put out there. Um, but, you know, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on how Army stays in this game, Kayla? Um, I mean, I think – and Coach Munkin has said this, and I think he said it a little bit in the press conference last week. Um, he uses the word fundamentals a lot. You know, we hear that um, as kind of getting back to the basics and, and kind of staying humble and being focused. I think, you know, p- trying to put myself, you know, in these guys' shoes as an Army player, going to Ann Arbor with this huge stadium, um, a little over, I think, 100,000 people, you know, possibly. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, just, you know, just the environment alone, um, as I think enough to shake, you know, anybody with some sense. Um, so kind of staying focused, um, sticking to those fundamentals, um, and kind of not trying to get roughed up early on. I think, um, you know, Michigan's like no huddle spread kind of will be fast. It will be quick. Um, like Scott said, you know, a lot of these guys that they had injured um, that, you know, were suited up but didn't play against Middle Tennessee, um, Harvard has said that they're probably going to play this upcoming week. Um, and he's mentioned that they've, you know, been 
um, kind of training and practicing for Army since the beginning, since, you know, beginning of, of spring camp as well. So they're, they've been on the radar, and I don't know if that's something, um, you know, we credit to Army success, you know, last year um, and kind of, you know, elevating them in terms of, you know, whatever you want to call the national conversation about college football, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, they've been on their radar for quite some time now, and I think Army has to play hard. They have to play fast because um, I think they're going to – the possibility of them getting wore down really easily, um, really early on, uh, can happen. But I kind of mentioned before, like, you know, little mistakes, you know, Scott said, I think, you know, they have the ability to make these mistakes because of how they put, you know, numbers up. But I think if you have a fumble here, if you're Army, you want to be able to recover that and you want to hold on to the ball. And because that's the way that they do best is they, you know, hold, um, you know, the ball well and they kind of run it. So I think you want to keep that possession time high um, and kind of see what happens and, and kind of move forward. Uh, so, yeah, those are kind of kind of my thoughts. But like I said, I, I'm literally just thinking of, like, being in that stadium. <laughs> it's just so yeah. – is, is enough, I think, so to let, shake anybody's nerves. So let me ask a question, and then I'll get Scott's kind of same take on, on how Army, you know, stays in this game and what are the keys to that. And because and, that, to me, that is – and I'm not trying to say Army can't come back from a multi-touchdown deficit or anything like that. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying – the key to me is keeping this game a one-score game or, you know, at worst, like a 10-point game um, for as long as possible yep. um, as you look to kind of grind Michigan down. So I'll get Scott's take on that as well. Um, so, so to your point about playing in the big house, um, on Saturday at noon or whatever, the captains walk out, the coin toss happens, Army wins the coin toss. In my opinion, you can – and so I want to hear y'all's. This is a this is one of those games where you accept you, you don't defer to the second yeah. half and you go ahead and just put the offense out there and say let's go <laughs> let's go establish our offense. Scott, what's your take on that? So, I guess if I really knew the answer to what Army has to do to beat Michigan, I'd probably have a nice cushy corner office up in West Point right now. <laughs> um but what I will say about it is, I mean, just one-to-one in these matchups, and we have we can see this from even last year against Oklahoma, and we can see it from when Air Force played Michigan. One-to-one, uh, Army will not beat this team, really, at any position. What they need to do is do exactly what Jeff Munkin said um, about the fundamentals, and they're going to have to hold themselves to exactly what they try to do. Like I said, I talked earlier about the threshold. What's the, What's that threshold of, okay... So our goal is no mistakes. Our goal is controlling the clock. Well, how much? How many mistakes can we actually afford? And I think against a team like Michigan, to get the win, it's going to be zero. Yep. And when Michigan does make mistakes, they have to capitalize on those. If they get a turnover in the red zone and Army's able to recover that, that's a time when they absolutely have to score. And if you look at time of possession for both Army and for um, Michigan last week, it's going to be a fight for time of possession as well. So controlling the pace is going to be absolutely critical. Another thing when it comes to just kind of gameplay, you cannot have any wasted plays. Like I said, the one thing that I did notice about Calvin Hopkins on his passing, so obviously he went 3-for-8, but it didn't really feel like a 3-for-8. It felt like some of those were kind of just wasted plays where he threw the ball away. Okay, the play isn't going to develop. Like I said, he loves the design plays. Really be smart about those. Um, as far as trick plays, I think those kind of could work against a team like Michigan. They worked well um, when Army played against Michigan. And so, I mean, when I talk about those, I mean, they ran the, the reverse twice last week against against Rice. And they, they were not flukes. Um, they worked because of good blocking and because it was well run and they ran hard. So I think that that's something that, that Army can do, but they're going to have to come out and kind of implement those more. It can't be once every other drive to where they try out something that's that's kind of go for broke. It's going to have to be 
really purposeful um, on pretty much every drive. And so I think at the end of the game, if Army can control the pace, if they can find a way to, that's something that, that Jeff Munkin is just masterful at. It, it's like it was weird watching them play against Rice um, because it seemed like even when they needed to go up and score, when they finally did, it was like, okay, you're kind of counting it. And it's like with the amount of time left on the clock, it's like Rice is going to get the least amount of drives possible. And I think if Jeff Munkin, who that's how he's he's kind of earned this job and earned all of his notoriety is having that kind of master craftsmanship when it comes to Army's planning. Um, I, I really do think that they can do it. But like I said, it's going to be a team effort. It's going to be sticking to the plan. Um, and even if they get kind of uncomfortable, getting maybe they fall a little bit behind going to the third or fourth quarter, um, it's going to take some special play, and it's going to really take just trusting the process. And I think, um, you know, on, once again, I think that this comes down to Michigan's offense versus Army's defense and this new offensive scheme for, for Michigan, but it's only in its second game week. Um, and if you, I mean, honestly, you like putting Middle Tennessee State defense against the Army's defense, give me Army's defense every day of the week. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, and, and in particular, like I think, they're going to have to they're going to have to get some pressure from that defensive line which you know maybe the weakest unit on that defense the linebackers which are good are going to have to just do like do your job type just just make the tackles don't don't have missed tackles don't have busted assignments but that defensive backfield which we've hyped up or at least I have because I think they're so good and, and Air Force and Army both have really good defensive backfields um Jalen McClinton Elijah Riley like somebody's got to get a turnover um somebody's got to get an interception um, it's going to take, you know, a, probably a plus two turnover margin, um, for army to stay in this game. But I think if you go back and look and it's a different team, obviously this is two years ago, but you mentioned the air force Michigan game. And like, that's the, that's the formula to me, as far as how the game progressed of keeping Michigan to field goals, um, going in, you know, tie game at the end of the first quarter, going into the half down by three, going into the fourth down by six. Um, you know, if that's the case. Um, if Army's in this game down by six, you know, going into the fourth quarter, um, I mean, it's going to be one of those where, where you know, from earlier in our other episodes and stuff where we're kind of eating our words, not Kayla, everybody else but <laughs> Kayla has eaten their words um, as as Army will we'll have a shot. Do I still – do I think Army's going to win? No, I don't. Um, but but I think that, um, you know, getting Connor Slomka back will help and on offense and and for me it comes down once again to the defense of Army versus the offense of Michigan. But Army's offense is going to have to do more than they did last week, right? I mean that's pretty apparent and obvious. I'm not like oh, definitely. out to out to lunch on that, um, I don't think. So yeah, I mean there's just it's a tall task, but it's it's not um certainly not an insurmountable task um for Army this week. And so I mean I'm I am looking forward to this non-conference game more than any other non-conference game for any of the service academies this year. Uh, not meaning out, the CIC games don't count in my mind. Like obviously they're not conference games, but um, and obviously this isn't a conference conference game because every game is non-conference for Army. Um, but you know what I mean. Like the 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 big matchup between yeah. the different teams. Like I'm looking forward to this game more than Navy Notre Dame. I'm looking forward to this game more than Air Force Colorado. Um, I think this is going to be just a really really fun game um, to watch, and I hope that. It's close, and I hope that we can go to some Michigan message boards and just get meltdown threads that we can put um, put up in a post, you know, just of the Michigan fans just losing their minds. Because here's kind of maybe another thing to, to bring up, and we'll kind of close out. But, um, I mean, you guys, you don't think Michigan fans respect Army, right? At like all. Even after all the At success. All. That's that's why I opened up with the just the environment. Because I think the stadium itself, the people who are there, it just – it's just going to be a lot. I think 
I think they're the fans are equally as prepared as the team uh, for Army to, to, to come on the road and meet them in Ann Arbor <laughs> in the worst way. I think it's almost worse than not respecting them as a football team. I think, and I've said this before, um, it's like I hate it when service academies get treated with kids' gloves. Yeah. When they get told, oh, yeah, well, no, these guys are actually going to, you know, they're going to go serve their country. I've right. said this before. I know tons of football players, when they suit up, they're not playing for Audie Murphy. They're playing <laughs> because they are, do- they are dogs just like anybody else. And they want to go out there and bust some heads and win a football game. And so I, I've seen a few things about, you know, respecting them and don't give them the same treatment that they give other big town opponents. Nonsense. And I that's what I would really love about it is for Army to go out there. And I'm sure they wouldn't see it this way. I'm sure Army fans don't see it as representing all the service academy footballs. But if they can, those football teams, but if they can go out there and make a statement, it's a great thing for service academy football. And I think it just shows that we are here to play. We're not this like little you know, military thing that sometimes we play football. We are legitimate football teams. Yeah, we're not just – it's just not a, a nice gesture to say, like, come to the big house and, and play us so we can show you our respect. And not that there's, like – I'm not da- – like, that's not, like, a bad thing. It's just I agree with you. Like, it's um, – it becomes, like you said, they're playing, you know, the, the little kid coming to play. And, and yes, I, I get that they respect the, the players, and that's that's great. And so when I said they don't respect, I certainly didn't mean from that side of things. I meant, you know, as, as football. But if the, if the score – um, is 10 to 7 at halftime, um, they're going to be losing their minds, right? Because they expect, from a from Same. a football perspective, expect to win this game by five, four or five touchdowns. Yeah, equally. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, ho- hopefully we, we get to, to watch that. I'm, I'm pumped for the game. You guys got any kind of final thoughts? We kind of, I mean, that was pretty a quick run through on, on that game in particular, which is obviously, obviously the only game of the week, but I think we hit everything pretty good. Any final thoughts? Uh, no. Yeah, the last thing, the last thing I wanted to say was uh, the spread on this is Michigan oh, yeah. minus twenty two. Yeah. Um, I think Army easily covers that. I mean, I, I don't necessarily even if it's seventeen points, I don't think there's any way Michigan just blows them out by more than twenty two. I would agree. I don't think this is like I said. I think this is going to be a, a neck and neck kind of like fight to the death for lack of better term sort of game. I really think Army's going to put um, their heart out. Uh, for this game, I do want to read <laughs> read this quote from Coach Munkin's uh, press conference last week. Uh, someone asked about kind of preparing the younger guys for for Saturday's game. He said, "There's a billion people in China that could care less about what happens in this yeah. game on Saturday." I saw that too. I was like, "What <laughs> hyperbole?" Much? <laughs> what are you? But he says, you "Let's doing? have fun." play our very best try and execute the schemes and fundamentals that we teach go play and try and measure yourself against the very best so um if that's you know not enough of a quote of, of coach monkey just in a nutshell um i i think they, they're obviously in the right headspace yeah and to scott's point there was an article last year um, that jason kirk from big SB Nation did um on service academy football teams against the spread oh, yeah and it's based, the title of the article is literally one of the surest things in gambling, triple option academies as big underdogs. And his very first sentence of the article, since 1995, the three FBS military academies are combined 36-11-1 against the spread at, when they're underdogs of more than three touchdowns, meaning 21.5 points or more. So 22 points right on the dot there. Um, you, you pretty much take that to the bank every, every single time, time um, <laughs> going against service academies. And we've talked about all the reasons, right? But the controlling the clock um, and 
limiting possessions and all that sort of stuff. And we saw that last year with Oklahoma, but I mean, it's just been proven over and over and over again. Um, all three teams are so good at what they do that when, when they're favored to lose by that much, um, usually they cover that cover those games. Um, so yeah, we don't have Austin on here to provide his betting takes. He's the betting guy, but um, that's a good point to bring up. Scott is kind of your final point is if that, if that's what you were sticking around for, I think, I mean, I, I would say certainly, um, take army, um, in the spread. I don't know what the over under is and I probably wouldn't touch that. Um, but, but I would take army certainly at plus 22. All right. Well, it was a good episode guys. I know we ran a little bit over an hour, um, but, but not too bad. And hopefully it's not too bad for Scott to cut out. And, um, and we're looking forward to this weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this game for sure. It's one of, um, I actually looked this up earlier now. I forgot the stat. It's one of the only weekends where, if not the only one, where there's only one Service Academy team playing this season. There's only a couple where there's only even two playing um, during the season. Um, so it's definitely going to be unique for us Navy fans and Scott and the Air Force fans to really kind of um, get a, a game of this caliber with, with our teams both on buys and not having to worry about figuring out you know what to watch and all that kind of stuff. So um, it'll be good. I think it sets the schedule up perfectly with the because it's a noon game, right, yeah. for – Army Michigan um, to have that noon game into the Clemson for me the Clemson Texas A and M game at three thirty into the LSU kind of um, tech uh, LSU Texas game for the night game I mean that's going to be a good a good Saturday of football so I, I can't wait I'm excited um, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week with uh, the week two recap and who knows maybe we're recapping uh, one of the biggest victories in, in Army's um, certainly modern era. Uh, <laughs> Uh, coming next week that would be uh you know our most downloaded podcast probably, yet, probably for sure so um yeah, all right so it's good, good stuff and we'll catch you guys next time congratulations to the navy midshipmen Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the Great Air Force Falcon.